G'day mate, it is so good to have you tuned in here for episode 26 of the Exponential Performance Podcast. In today's episode, we're talking about the positives and negatives of single speed training. And also, does anaerobic threshold have any relevance to your intelligence? And is anaerobic threshold have any link to your cholesterol? Let's get into it. Welcome to the Exponential Performance Podcast. Join sports scientist and performance coach Matty Graham to find out how to train smarter and maximize your performance no matter who you are. Welcome back to the Exponential Performance Podcast. It is so good to have you tuned in here with me. Today we're rolling out episode 26 of the Exponential Performance Podcast. Now, First of all, my apologies for not getting a podcast produced the last two weeks. I really appreciate all of the messages saying that they people really enjoying the podcast and they're missing it. To be honest, I just have become super busy with all of my coaching, getting uh, my athletes set up for the summer that's coming up. And two Mondays, which is usually when I record my podcast, have just slipped by on me. So what I did is over the last two weeks, I've sat down and really put some effort into planning the podcast just so I can continue to create good quality podcasts for you. I sort of felt towards the end there things were starting to slip a little bit. I didn't do the same amount of planning as I used to and I don't like to do things by halves and I have got some exciting stuff for you coming up. Now, if you have any questions for the podcast, please send me through a voice message. If you send me through a voice question, you're going to get a free download of my Performance Temple Handbook series as a thank you for asking that question. The questions through the voice message have slowed down quite a lot, but I'm getting lots of email questions. So please, if you have got a question, send it through as a voice message. I think it's just better to listen to when we've got other people's voices and I'm interacting with them rather than me just ranting on and reading out the questions. Now, if you've got questions that you don't want answered on the public forum, such as this podcast, but you want to get some personalized advice from me, what you can do is head over to www reach.me slash Matty Graham and this is going to take you to my ReachMe account and what my ReachMe account is is a place where you can ask me questions for a very small fee and I will provide you private personalized answers to those questions. I've been getting a lot of people sending me massive novels of a question and to be honest, I just don't have the time to reply to all of these questions for free. So the Reach Me page is just a little bit of a way of getting some small funding from answering all of these questions. If you would like more personalized advice, you can always go out and check my personalized coaching over on the Exponential Performance Coaching website under the Personalized Coaching tab. 
this here is about 50 times more expensive than asking me a question over on ReachMe. So if you want some personalized advice at a fraction of the price of the personalized coaching, I'd suggest head over to the ReachMe account. So today what we're going to do on the podcast is answer a bunch of listener Q&A. We've got a voice question about single speed training and then I've got a couple of written questions that I want to touch on following up on the um, podcast that I did on Anaerobic Threshold uh, a couple of weeks ago. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hi Matty, it's Cahill here again. Thanks very much for answering my previous question. Really appreciate it. Uh, I have one other question for you, and it's in relation to the use of fixed or single speed uh, bikes for training in the off-season. I'm just wondering, is there any merit to the old-school idea of training with a single gear um, bike uh, where you select a gear... Uh, that gives you some strength work on the hills because you're overgeared, and then possibly some speed work on the the downhills because you're undergeared. Um, there's a lot of information out there, but there's very little actual data to suggest whether this training is definitely of use or benefit. Um, how many times a week you should do it? What sort of gear you should select? What time of the year you should do it? And um, I'm just wondering what your thoughts are and your experience of um, single gear bike training, whether it's useful to do and how best to go about doing it. Um, I'd really appreciate your insight into this if you can. Thanks, Manny. Cheers, on. useful to do and how best to go about doing it. Um, I'd really appreciate your insight into this if you can. Thanks, Manny. Cheers, on. G'day mate, hey thanks very much for your question, it's good to hear that you're tuning in, I hope your training is going well. So, single speed training, what is the deal with it? Well, just as a little bit of a side note and something that I found uh, quite interesting is that for the first 34 years of the Tour de France, the founder who organised it banned geared bikes. So it wasn't until 1937 that you were actually allowed to ride a geared bike in the Tour de France. And the organiser famously said, I still feel that variable geared bikes are only for people over 45. Isn't it better to triumph by the strength of your muscles than by the artefact of a derailleur? So I guess he's quite right. And for the first 34 years of the Tour de France, all the hard men rode single speeds. So there you go, a little bit of a fact of the day for you. So yes, so single speed bikes, it's an interesting one. I know they are used quite a lot in by mountain bike athletes, especially over the winter. And for mountain bike athletes, I can see why. There's a, there's a few positives that go along, or potential positives that go along with riding a single speed. And some of those are is that you develop that leg strength. Because you are a little overgeared on the hills, you do have to work harder to get up the hills. And people will tend to ride harder because they've got no other option. They cannot change down. Also, on the flip side, 
you usually run out of gears and so you have to spin quite high cadences compared to if you were on a geared bike you'd probably change up and crank on in mountain biking as well people talk about improving the flow of their riding because they are in a slightly bigger gear potentially so they have to use the trail a little bit more to develop their flow and their technique so on a mountain bike i can see the use of a single speed as some benefit on a road bike i personally see less benefit for single speed riding and the sole reason is is that there is such a wide range of cadence work that you do and the gears required to hit those different cadences are so large whereas on a mountain bike you can select say a medium gear and get up a lot of things apart from the super steep climbs what are some of the negatives of single speed training well obviously you're not going to be in the right gear all of the time to elicit the training response that you're after you're either going to be over geared or under geared there's not going to be many times when you're in the correct gear to get maximal force maximal cadence or optimal force and optimal cadence the other thing is is that it can give your knees a really hard time if you are constantly riding up hills in a big gear you can get knee problems so just be aware of that what i would suggest is if you want to do a little bit of single speed training is get a single speed and use it sparingly throughout the week maybe two maybe three times a week but then really focus on getting any key training sessions in that you need to at the optimal cadence and the optimal gearing that you need to for the outcomes of the session i think what a lot of people forget is that when they are on their geared bike you don't necessarily have to choose a gear that's optimal or comfortable for your riding at the time over geared climbing is a perfectly good training session that i often prescribed but you don't need to be on a single speed to do it all you need to do is click your shifter and move up a gear and the great thing about doing it on a geared bike is when you get to the end of your interval you can click down and decrease the force on a single speed sure you're getting this amazing stimulus of over geared work but when you get to the end of your interval you can't change it you've got to either keep going up or turn around and come back down the hill which again is a perfectly relevant training method in itself the opposite thing also applies for cadence work on a geared bike i would highly recommend that people do high cadence work at certain times of their training and you don't need to be on a single speed to do it the beauty of a geared bike is you've got choices you can click down into a lower gear and spin at high cadences this is really good for developing that neuromuscular control developing that smooth pedal stroke to develop that technique and that efficiency but it doesn't mean you have to do it all the time because if you only ride at low gearing high cadences you're not going to develop the force that you need at higher gearing and lower cadences and the flip side is also true 
So with single speed training, it it's a nice idea. Mountain biking, I think, definitely has a lot more benefit to gain from it compared to road cycling just because of the wide variety of uh, situations you find yourself in on the road bike. By all means, I would say give it a go. I think one of the best things you can do is experiment for yourself. If you love it and it makes getting out on your bike easier, there's less maintenance over the winter, then 100% go and do it. But make sure that you are addressing all aspects of your training or all aspects that you need to address at the time depending on the training approach that you're following so that you don't end up coming into your summer training one injured, you've got knees blowing out because of your overgeared work or two, you're not able to generate the force just because you've been doing all the spinning on the flat in your single geared bike. So there's a few of my thoughts on single speed training. I'm not sure if that answered your question at all, but there's a few things to think about. Just remember, if you've got any more questions about this, please send them on in, and I'll do my best to dig into them a little deeper and answer your questions. Let's jump into the next question we've got. So following episode 25, where I dug into all things anaerobic threshold, I got quite a lot of questions around anaerobic threshold and a few, few interesting questions that I thought I'd tackle today. They weren't voice questions, but I thought they're quite interesting, so I would I would do them. But remember, if you've got a question, it would be greatly appreciated if you can send it in via voice message. Now, the question was about anaerobic threshold and intelligence. Is there any link when it comes to things such as maths equations or problem solving? Well, there's not so much a link between anaerobic threshold and intelligence, but there's quite a strong link between cardiovascular fitness or aerobic fitness and all things to do with the brain, pretty much. There's a there's a massive association with cardiovascular fitness and cognition especially in young adults okay so this is in the teenage years which you can appreciate where there's a lot of a lot of growth happening in the brain and it has been shown that if you're performing exercise during this time there is a massive improvement in your brain development and growth in younger children there's also been shown that it's not so much aerobic fitness but hand-eye coordination so you know playing ball sports or batting ball sports if you've got an improved hand-eye coordination you've got an improvement in cognition and also social skills which is really interesting believe it or not you can increase the rate of vocabulary learning which is learning different words and remembering um, remembering them and their meanings you can improve this by 20% if you perform it following intense physical activity. So this was compared to no activity uh, and then doing the learning versus physical intense activity and then doing the vocabulary learning. And you get a 20% increase. 
So you learn things 20% faster following some intense exercise. And the link between improved learning and physical activity has been acknowledged in a few countries, and in particular Thailand and South Korea. Now in Thailand and South Korea, some schools have increased their school day, in some cases up to an hour and a half. And this isn't to do more study, it is to have more physical education at school. So more time for exercise at school because they recognize the improvement that it has in children's learning. Now this isn't just in children, but you can appreciate that children, obviously their brains are developing at an extremely fast rate and they're learning a lot of things during this time. So a lot of research has been done around this sensitive time, but it also has a place uh, in adults. So t- you're not done for just because you're uh, because you're not you're old now. So why does exercise improve learning or intelligence? Because at the end of the day, the more you learn, the more intelligent you are. At the end of the day, when it comes to you know, IQ, which is a pretty universal measure of intelligence, so to speak. Well, something you need to become familiar with is a protein called brain-derived neurotropic factor, or BDNF for short. Now, this is a protein that's released in the brain, and it's been termed miracle Grow. if you can remember or if you know of that thing that they sell on TV that's miracle Grow, that's going to improve your plant's productivity and grow these superhuman plants. Brain-derived neurotropic factor is has been termed miracle Grow for the brain. So to learn, nerves in the brain need to grow and interlink different parts of the brain. And these nervous pathways then need to become stronger so that the firing rate through these pathways becomes second nature, so to speak. And so brain-derived neurotropic factor, or BDNF, actually increases the function of neurons. It encourages growth of neurons and nerves. And it strengthens and protects these nerves against the natural process of cell death. So what this does is helps your brain grow, helps the nervous connections within the brain develop and then strengthen and then protects them against the natural process of cell death. So BDNF is crucial in the learning process. If you have more of this available during learning or at the time of learning, then you're going to learn quicker and you're going to learn better. And the interesting thing is that 20 to 40 minutes of aerobic exercise has been shown to improve brain-derived neurotropic factor by around about 30%. 30%. So you get an increase in brain-derived neurotropic factor, which is this miracle grow for the brain, by about 30% just by doing exercise. Now, exercise is is a wonder drug. If it was a drug, so to speak, that you could sell as a pharmaceutical, it would be the most hotly contested commodity in the modern world. I guarantee it. 
you would pay thousands and thousands of dollars. It would be trademarked by some massive pharmaceutical company and they would be making a mint because it does so much for the body. Not only you know, in terms of losing weight uh, and improving fitness, but exercise does so much more to the body. And now we know the brain, which is the same thing as the body. It's just part of the body. It's a big system all to connected together. And we're finding that, you know, you can improve your learning just through simple exercise. So why? Why would exercise improve your intelligence? Why would exercise increase the release of brain-derived neurotropic factor by 30%? Well, when you think about it, the body is just an amazing system of triggers and responses for example if it's cold what happens your body starts to shiver along with a lot of other physiological responses what if it's hot what does your body do it starts to sweat again along with a lot of other physiological factors that we won't dig into today so what happens when your body moves well exercise or movement indicates to the body that something important is happening and not so much now in our modern world but if you can think back to a long time ago in our evolution movement signaled something was happening it was a survival mechanism we didn't exercise just to exercise to lose weight to be healthy and be fit we exercised for survival we were either escaping from something or we were foraging for food or for water. So it's in the best interest of our survival to learn during those scenarios. For example, learning the lay of the land so you don't get lost, so you can locate food and water again. So if you're being chased, say, by a lion, it pays for the brain to look around and quickly take in the information and imprint it in the brain. So you know once you've escaped from the lion, hopefully you're able to get home. You don't get lost. Or if you're foraging for food and you find food, how are you able to then go back to that source again in the future? So historically, exercise or movement has indicated to the brain something important is happening for its survival. And it's the best in its best interest to learn that. Things such as remembering how an animal attacked you. Or on the counter side, how you escaped from that dangerous situation. Now sedentary behaviour or a sedentary state equals safe. You're sitting at home in your cave or in your camp surrounded by your fellow man. It indicates a state of rest. There's not much need for the body to learn when it's sedentary, when it's safe, when it's resting. It's when it's active and it's fighting for its survival that it needs to be able to learn quickly and remember that stuff. So that's one of the theories why scientists believe that brain-derived neurotropic factor, which is that miracle grow protein for the brain, is released during exercise. It's not so much of a problem now. We don't need to learn all these things for our survival. And I suppose on the flip side, we actually do. We need to move for our survival. With the obesity epidemic as it is now, 
you know, movement is exactly what we need. So I guess just as a rounding up few statements of this uh, of that question is, is there a link between exercise and intelligence? And it would seem that there is. It's primarily due with learning and the rate that you can learn. It's most important in teenagers and children to be doing exercise on a regular basis so that that brain-derived neurotropic factor is released within the body and it is there to increase their uptake of information. It can have an effect in older populations as well, in adults. So starting your day off with some aerobic exercise is a great way to learn. Obviously, just going out and exercising isn't going to increase your intelligence on its own. You have to have that learning stimulus coming at you, the new information for your body to learn. So I'm going to wrap it up there. If you've got any more questions about fitness and learning and the connection there, I'd be more than happy to dig into it a little deeper. But let's move on to the next question. So the second question I had in relation to anaerobic threshold following up from episode 25 where I dig into all things anaerobic threshold was about cholesterol and anaerobic threshold. Is there a relationship between anaerobic threshold and cholesterol? Now, just touching on that, again, it's not so much anaerobic threshold hasn't been... uh, looked at specifically it's more about cardiovascular fitness which normally uh, is measured through vo2 max however if cardiovascular fitness is increased anaerobic threshold as a proportion will tend to increase as well so before we jump into things too much let's just have a little bit of a recap of cholesterol now cholesterol is carried in the blood on proteins called lipoproteins or lipoproteins, depending on which hemisphere you live in. Now, there are two main forms of these. There's LDL, which is a low-density lipoprotein, and this is often considered the bad cholesterol. And then there's HDL, which is the high-density lipoprotein, and this is often referred to as the good cholesterol. In the body, there is a strong link between LDL, which is our bad cholesterol, and coronary heart disease and there's a very strong inverse relationship between hdl the good cholesterol and heart disease so as hdl goes up the risk of heart disease goes down now in medicine a total reduction in cholesterol is considered the gold standard in preemptive care of cardiovascular disease and exercise has been shown to have positive impacts on cholesterol and on patients with high cholesterol so does exercise or fitness have a link with cholesterol absolutely so if high cholesterol is something that you're worried about i definitely recommend that you have a more in-depth talk with your doctor this is not medical advice nor is it ever meant to act as medical advice so exercise again is so good for so many different aspects of the body so make sure that you are getting at least some exercise 
For most people listening to this podcast, you will be well aware of the benefits of exercise and you're looking at maximizing your performance rather than just being healthy and fit in general. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Exponential Performance Podcast. Like I said, if you've got any questions, please send them in via a voice message. I am getting a lot of written questions, and I'll do my best to answer the ones that I can, but I would much rather answer voice questions. If you send me in a voice question, remember you're going to get a free copy of my Performance Temple Handbook. So get over to the Exponential Performance Coaching website, Click the record button, ask your question, and you'll be away laughing. If you've got any private questions that you don't want answered here on the podcast, but you would like me to provide some personalized advice to, head over to reach.me slash Matty Graham, and you can ask your questions. I'm going to respond to them either via text or a personalized video message to you for a very small fee. Until next time... Get out there and train hard, but most importantly, train smart.